Thank you for listening to the Folk Podcast. If you would like to become more involved with the Wisdom of Odin community, please think about donating to Patreon. At the lowest tier, you gain access to our community Discord. Uh, the next tier, you gain access to live streams. And of course, at the final tier, you gain early access videos, as well as your name in the end credits for all Wisdom of Odin videos. Thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much for whatever support you're able to provide. Hello, my name is Jacob, and I am a Norse pagan. And welcome to episode 42 of the Folk Podcast. Today we have a guest I've been really excited to get on here. We've just been trying to find the right time. But now that I'm in Germany and we're basically in the same time zone, it works even better. Because we have Nick, who is a Norse pagan in South Africa. Which is about as far away as possible as you can get from Scandinavia. And yet he has found the Norse gods, which is pretty darn amazing if you ask me. Um, so, Nick, I just want to go ahead and toss it off to you. Tell us a little bit about your journey and a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm from South Africa, as you said. I'm actually from Cape Town. I have been a Norse pagan for going on two years now. How I met the gods are actually a funny story. I wasn't looking for them. I was actually listening to a Highland live show that my brother sent me a link to. I don't even know how to put this into words. Sometimes putting the experience that you first get, is actually hard to put into words. But I felt for the next week and a half like a total different person. I went down a rabbit hole finding out what the hell just happened to me how it happened, and I I discovered the God, to say the least. I've had experiences since then. I've met people since then. The runes have guided me. The gods have guided me. It's been an amazing experience so far. No, that's absolutely incredible. I mean, I love that it's Highland. I don't even think I knew that story necessarily um, because I know we connected over DeAntford, which is definitely the exact opposite of Highland because uh, <laughs> I don't know if I call them a spiritual experience, uh, but they're definitely something. But as far as Highland goes, I mean, that's something that honestly was a key point in my journey as well. Um, you know, going to see them live and experience them live was about two months before the first gathering. And I really didn't know I wanted to do something like that. I didn't know I wanted to perform public rituals until I saw Heilung. And it was basically right after that that I put out the first call to have the first gathering because experiencing the magic that they're able to create, I mean, it's really not a concert. It's It really transcends into a, a spiritual experience. And I, I think it's amazing. You know, I think some people would judge people for being like, oh, I, I found the gods, you know, watching a band. And it's like, but when you actually think about Heilung, it's it's not just a band, it's so much more. Yeah, even they said themselves, it's actually a ritual. They don't they intend it to be a ritual. Everything they have added into it is meant to excite you, change you, bring you out of your shell. And as a South African, that's actually kind of hard. We brought up in an environment like let's say school. If I went to high school, we wear uniforms. That's blazers and ties and smart shoes, what have you. We don't smoke. We hold the image of our school. We, it's very, very regulated environment here in South Africa. And to step out of the norm, it's not wild. Back in here. We don't even have comic cons here, never mind paganism stuff here. I mean, it's very, very quiet, very on the down low. But there are people hiding in the shadows so for me to find how long me to say come on this podcast and say hey i am a north pagan from south africa it's 
pretty fucking unique, you know? I mean, we just had another South African uh, join us, which you sent me the email of. He's yeah. actually from Joburg, and he's actually a really, really cool guy. He also says, I haven't told my family. A lot of my friends don't know. My wife knows, but that's the limit, you know? There's not a lot of communication or acceptance for outside of the norm. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons uh, this episode actually exists is because he emailed us. I believe his name is Helmar, if I'm looking back. Um, is at least was the email I got from him. So um, if you're listening to this, uh, you're inspired. You're one of the reasons we, we uh, got Nick on this show because it reminded me how unique it is to be a South African pagan. Like I said, I mean, this is not a place people expect to, to find people in the faith. And I feel like we we've been able to find I think what four or five in the last year or so that you know I don't know if they're still in the Discord or not. But I mean, w- w- the fact that we've been able to find four and five, you know, to me is pretty darn impressive. Yeah, we have found four or five, but they kind of stick to Instagram which I do recommend people do get hold of us or any pagan that you, if you are in South Africa, come on Instagram, come talk. Don't hide, just come talk. You don't, you don't have to share any deep secret. You can just say, hey, how's it? I'm looking for advice, you know? I'm very lucky to be in Cape Town where I can stay in contact with the God. They are very much here. Like, I can, I got all the mountains and all the beaches around me right here within... 20 kilometer radius. If I go 20 kilometers that way, I'm at a beach. If I go 20 kilometers that way, I'm at a thick mass mountain. I've got ample opportunities to connect with my gods. My patron, I'm hesitant to call him my patron, but he has been around my whole life. Talking to Parker, actually, it was the one that made me realize that it was actually Njord. Njord has been there for all my life. And thinking about Cape Town as a whole, it's actually the perfect place for Nord, sandy beaches, wind tunnels, the whole city is surrounded by water. We are a harbor and fishing town. I mean, we were made to be a, Cape Town was made to be, when Cape Town was discovered, it was made to be a trading port. And that, to me, says Nord, you know, he's a god of travelers. He will protect us as we're traveling. Why not Cape Town? Well, I mean, in Cape Town is one of the most crucial points. I mean, you know, before, what is it, the uh, Suez Canal, um, you know, it was probably the main point you stopped at if you were going around Africa, like the Cape of Africa. Um, so before we get, uh, Ian, I want to make sure you can ask questions here because I feel oh, like yeah, you have yeah. to, Ian, Ian is here. Uh, but one thing I do want to say um, a little bit about my background knowledge, which again, I think was one of the interesting things about uh, the reason Nick and I connected in the first place is because I took quite a few African history classes and art history classes and religious classes in college because it really fascinates me. Um, and I feel like Africa is very often forgotten in the religious, you know, ecosystem as far as paganism um, but there is such a rich like tribal you know religion still there it can be kind of hidden and it's not recorded and you know I feel like a lot of Americans um, or a lot of Westerners only experience with this is when Christians come over to convert them <laughs> so I feel like there's definitely this this lost culture that you know is quickly disappearing um, but also just like the absolute massive size of Africa I feel like is not taught in schools um, Africa is fucking huge and I mean, the the Sahara Desert alone is big enough to fit, I believe, all of the United States, all of Europe, and all of Russia 
just in Sahara, the Sahara Desert, which no one actually lives in besides like around the sea. And then there's still the rest of Africa. <laughs> so it's so big. And there's so many cultures. There's so much history. I mean, you know, so many different gods, deities, stories, um, you know, traditions that, you know, one have been forgotten, but also still exist today. Um, and then you have South Africa. South Africa is one of the most interesting homogenies of cultures because you have European cultures, you have Dutch culture, you have, you know, English culture. I was trying to describe a uh, South African a accent to my girlfriend. I'm like, well, it's kind of Australian and African <laughs> and like Swahili and like <laughs> so many different things. Um, but I mean, South Africa is one of the most fascinating places. Um, I mean, and it has a very dark history, but also a very rich history. Um, so if you haven't, I mean, it's one of the reasons I'm so excited to have Nick on the show is is the really rich culture of South Africa. Um, and now he's you know decided to add more to that become, by becoming a Norse pagan. Um, but it, it's really fascinating, and I definitely recommend if you haven't um, look into South African history, look into African history. It, it really is quite fascinating. All right, Ian, your turn. Go ahead and ask some questions. <laughs> yeah, no, like for one, I'm I didn't know that South Africa was as uh, like strict and kind of uh, by a set of rules, like what you were saying with the schools and everything like that, where it's very cut and dry, and this is how you know you have you know these very strict regulations and stuff like that. I kind of, to me, whenever I've I've pictured South Africa, I've always thought it to be a little bit more of a uh, uh, a pretty westernized or like I don't even want to say modernized. It's a pretty updated and modern city and area or in country. Sorry, not city. Um, but like to hear it be so strict, it it kind of blows my mind because you do have like we were just talking about that melting pot of so many different cultures and and backgrounds and religious beliefs that have all kind of melded together so it's actually kind of surprised me hearing that it was as uh as strict so to speak um you know as you were just saying uh and i can only imagine uh, having that many different backgrounds and the religious backgrounds specifically all melded together i feel like primarily you know mixing a lot of the old tribal religions in there i feel like there's some places that you can just go to and you just absolutely feel something ancient yeah i mean that those tribes and those religions have been practiced you know essentially since the dawn of man as far as we're aware so i can you know those mountains i'm sure you're not the first person by any means that has gone out to those mountains and stuff and made offerings or worshiped a deity of any kind up there so what kind of what kind of feelings do you get just going up there uh to those mountains wow that's that's a big ass it's hard to put that in like a simple kind of sentence it's like what kind of sentence you, get? you only get five words find out how to describe it <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, it's like simple way to say it. it's how how does it feel just go up yourself and do it just come to cape town come and mountain with me dude that's like all right the I'm all way. i'll be there in 16 hours <laughs> <laughs> but simply put their ancestors or their ancestors who grew up here. I got my ancestors growing up here. The cultures we connect, but we don't connect properly. If you get what I'm saying, we are aware of each other and we respect each culture, but we don't step into other cultures. Whether you're Jewish, whether you're Kota, whether you're Zulu, Swahili, whatever you have you are connected to your own culture. There's a lot of history to do in between cultures, like the Kodas versus the Zulus, hence why you got Shaka Zulu. 
you know. Um, it's sort of like the... What's that movie from Marvel? I hate to mention Marvel on this podcast. It's almost like, you know, blasphemy. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> we'll, it won't get us kicked off. We won't kick you off. Um, are you talking about uh, Black Panther? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That is what I was just going to say. The language they are actually, Black Panther is speaking, is Causa. The warriors dressing up with a, with a blanket over them, all that, that's Causa. And the enemy, you know, the, the big tougher guard with the animal pulse in their, on their thing was Zulus. And that's kind of what it is here through the history. So there are a lot of tribes here and a lot of languages because of those tribes and the separation of land. There's a lot of tribes, their own culture, their own histories, their own practices as well. Like one of our, we got a version of a witch here in South Africa called Sangomas. They are traditionally like a witch doctor. They can you can go to them to ask them for a future, get your healing, but that's part of their cultures. They even still got today a man coming into manhood tradition. You know, when you're going to come to the age of 13, you go for a certain ceremony and a certain uh, uh, things happen, and then you carry on. It's just it's a very tribal type of culture, yeah. But we don't mix with each other's cultures, if that makes sense. So, yeah. just out of curiosity, I looked it up. Um, all the different languages spoke in South Africa, uh, and like, I mean, English is fairly predominant, but the yeah. the next closest is 24.7 languages. Yeah, like I'm looking at like Easy Zulu, um, Easy Zalza, Afrikaans, Spedi, Setswana, English. Oh, English is only 8.4 percent. I lied. Um, Seso, uh, Sesotho, oh, Sesotho. Uh, Zsonga, or uh, Zswansi. I don't even know how to pronounce some of these letters. Sivanda, it's Nepali. Uh, and there's like five others that are all like one percent. It's like that—that's crazy. No, it, it also even depends on which school you go to in which province. Depends on what second language you learn. We got the English. We got Afrikaans. That's another language we got. We got to mention. And like, if I'm in Western Cape, we will learn Kosa as our, se- our third language. If I go to Durban, I'm learning Zulu. It, it's very very fascinating. The history is there. We. My brother have actually discovered one of the oldest paintings on rocks here in South Africa, and it's flipping old. <laughs> and they are the sand tribe people are probably one of the oldest tribes in South Africa, period, bar none. And they have still little marks on the rocks. They still live the old tribal way, which I thought was awesome. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, one thing that like I, I think that is really awesome is that these tribes do still are still practicing like ancient, ancient traditions and stuff like that. Cause you know, you have various, uh, you know, if you just look around Europe and even in, you know, North America and some places in South America, a lot of the more traditional ancient practices and, and tribal stuff is essentially gone for a lot of these places. And uh, Africa is definitely a place to just look and see that that's still a thing. It's still a predominant, way of living in a practice whereas you have various you know uh uh tribes in in europe that are more you know in the shadows kind of like what you were saying 
with their actual original like traditions and stuff like that or they're so few in number that it's it doesn't even really pop up on anybody's like mind um but yeah then you simply look at africa as a whole continent and like what you were saying you have tribe after tribe after tribe that still practices you know these traditions for thousands and thousands of years yeah like uh the thing i get is that in south africa or in southern part of Africa, we, when, like, say, the Christians came over the world, we, they took over most of the modern Western world. I think they didn't take away the tribal history, the tribal cultures, and the tribal traditions. They just said, you in your own area, you do your thing, and we'll do our thing. Even though back in the past, sad, you say, they said, no, white is superior, well, that's a whole other subject we that South Africa is famous for, you know. <laughs> but we we still got to separate our cultures and keep our traditions, which I thought was the only one of the only reasons why we get what we get today, and they still keep their their culture, which I thought was quite cool. Yay, Nelson Mandela. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Again, an interesting religious thought I just had. So when it comes to like Iceland, the reason that we have a lot of our traditions and stories from Iceland is because they're so isolated. Um, Iceland, isolated. Oh, that kind of makes sense. Um, but <laughs> so, you know, when they converted, it was more or less they sent missionaries over a few boats and they were like, hey, you know, the king of Norway wants you to convert and you basically need to come under his rule. And when they didn't convert because they wanted to stay pagan, uh, they basically blockaded them and made it so they couldn't get any food because they weren't quite sustaining themselves. And the king of Norway essentially made them uh, subjugate themselves to his rule and convert to Christianity. But because it was so hard to get missionaries and, you know, send resources as far as like re Christian resources to Iceland. Um, the the religion conver religious conversion never really took hold, and that's why still today you have people that believe in elves. That's why the, you have people that still believe in Landvatir, even though they're not actually pagan anymore. They they claim they're Lutheran, but for the most part, Iceland still kept its pagan roots, even though you know I think it's only I think it's one percent of the population now is actually Icelandic Ossetru again. Um, but I find this to be very similar in Africa as well because of how massive Africa is and how many different tribes there is. I mean, we they've been trying to convert you know Africa for 500, 600 years at this point, um, if not even longer. And not only do you have the Christian influence, but you have the Islamic influence as well. And it's it's so weird to look at it. Like West Africa is very Christianized, but then like East Africa is very Islamic, and then they're kind of battling in the middle. And then you have like the you know South Africa, which is very Christian because of the British settlers. Um, but again, like like you said, you know those traditions are still there because they it takes so many resources to not only just convert, but also to get rid of cultural identity. So yeah, it's just it's really interesting the synchronicities between what's happened in South Africa and even what happened in Iceland. Yeah, they're, they're actually very close together. Like Iceland, yeah, like you said, Iceland was very, very isolated. So it was hard to send those priests over there constantly to keep converting, you know. And they did have a marginalization of uh, uh, acceptance of the religion of Christianity. South Africa has a cultural identity, like you said. But it's a big mesh of identity like you said that British took over we still got a bigger culture in here in South Africa mainly based in, in Durban more than ever have played is Indian culture you wouldn't think of you know India being South Africa but 
nine times out of ten, the person you're going to meet in Durban is going to be of Indian descent. If you come to Western Cape, you'll meet more Islamic people, which is quite cool. Most of my workers, like 90% of my workers, are of Muslim descent. We got a big mesh of international cultures just shoved into South Africa. So it's quite easy to see why we don't mesh with other people's cultures. Because that's their cultural identity, and we're trying to preserve our own cultural identity, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So I guess my question to you is, um, how do you uh, how do you bring in your Norse beliefs into this homogeny, into this this you know unique and diverse, but also multi layered culture? Like, how does how does the, your faith play into like your daily life, so to speak? Ooh, that's a big one. Uh, my, my it, there's not much difference to my daily working life. Uh, basically, I just get on from working do it and then come home. But personally, there's not much difference either because I don't, I'm not open here in South Africa about my faith. It, it's kind of hard to see why I'm not that open about it. But, um, or not hard to see why I'm not open about it. But it's, it gave me a personal change in my own life. You know, how I interact with people. Like Odin in the Havamal, which is all his advice, and I'm living according to his ways of saying, don't leave the house with a, with a knife. Don't drink more than you have to. You know, if you among your betters, keep your mouth shut. That is quite close to what our culture is in South Africa today, as is. So there wasn't that much change, but there was a big change personally, how I looked after myself spiritually, mentally, even physically. Like, I'm a couch potato. I will freely admit that I am a couch potato. You're a beautiful couch potato. <laughs> <laughs> but since coming to this faith, I've been so connected with nature around me, with my plants, with my trees. I've got a forest about two kilometers, three kilometers away from me that I just walk to. I can walk there, walk into a little forest and climb a mountain. It is the best feeling ever. And it only started once I came into this faith. Once I started able to connect with this land veteer, with my gods and say, I know you. I get your feeling. I know what you are or how you are connecting to me. And that was the biggest change in my life from those days. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's one of the things I've noticed about, you know, being here in Germany and also coming from the United States is here. There's a very strong ancestral energy because, I mean, obviously this is where people that actually worshipped Odin, Thor um, and those ideas and, you know, really were the, you know, the ancestors of the faith, you know, their bones are buried here. You know, I've probably walked over where their bones are buried and that's a pretty weird feeling, but also a powerful one. Whereas in the United States, that's not as, as true. You know, I have to connect more with the land. I connect more with the God. 
gods. And it seems like that's very similar for you as well as you connect really heavily to the land. Um, and I think, I mean, that's really beautiful. I think, the, you know, they're as equally powerful as ideas. Um, but again, it's it, it's just interesting to see the differences between, you know, places where you can worship the gods. Because here, you know, I have trouble connecting with the land here in Germany. I mean, it's beautiful. But, you know, it's the fact that everywhere is so crowded. I mean, Germany is a very is a fairly small country in comparison. And there's 38 million people here. And so when I went to the Alps for the first time, it was beautiful. But you could tell that, I mean, one, there was about 6,000 people there with me. Um, you know, everywhere I walked, every trail I was on, there was people. I couldn't escape people. Um, and the fact that everyone there is a tourist, everyone there is taking pictures, everyone there. I mean, and it's like, how many times have these hills been hiked? How many times has a picture been taken of that mountain? And it feels like it, it, it's taken away from that, that, or at least scared away the spirits in a sense. Um, that's kind of my weird tangent that I, you know, my from my experience yesterday seeing the Alps. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I get that. I get that very, very much. I mean, I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but they said that the Table Mountain is one of the eight wonders of the world. It is that much of a tourist spot. I mean, Table Mountain is flipping awesome. You, when you're on Table Mountain, you can look onto the whole Cape Town Valley, where you get the Cape Town Harbor, you've got your surroundings based, connected to it going up to Strand, it's massive, and it's so beautiful, and just a hike there, it's going to take you a while, but you can get there, and it's the biggest tourist spot of Cape Town, so when you want to go out there, make a quiet little offering, you've got no chance of doing that, just 10 feet away, there's someone there, you turn around another 5 feet away, there's someone there. Turn around this way, there's another person bumping into your shoulder. There's no space to do anything. So when you can find a really quiet spot, like by my house, there's a mountain called Elephant's Eye. I love that spot. But sadly, all the people that live in the Constantia Valley also like that spot. So <laughs> i got to take away... I, I thought that Elephant's Eye is like a little half cave you don't fully go into. And the view is absolutely amazing. I wanted to do a little ritual in there. No can do. Here's at least 50 people at one time sitting there at the same time. <laughs> yeah. You're thinking, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's a nice quiet day. During the week, I'm off work. I'm going to do it. You rock up there. There's people just sitting. All those places. I'm like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. So I walk for two kilometers around the mountain to the back of Silver Mountain Mountain, and I'll do a quick offering there. <laughs> but in a way, you know, like the journey becomes the offering in itself too, so that always works out. Yeah, but I always wanted to choose a spot that felt right to me, you know what I mean? Like, like the Odin statues in Germany. It will be a good spot, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, uh, well, luckily after this uh, this podcast comes out, that video is out. So if you haven't already and you listen to the podcast, please check out that, that Odin video because honestly that was – I mean as a, a North American pagan you know, coming to, to Germany for the first time um, and really as – I mean Norse pagans in general, we don't have monuments. There's not just statues to Odin laying around. There's not you know pagan temples everywhere. So to actually go yeah. to a spot that's like this is a statue of Odin. It's so crazy to actually see a spot dedicated to a deity and actually be of that deity. I mean, it was it's a very powerful experience. I mean, I showed I think I put a, a picture in the fellowship chat, didn't I, for everyone to see. Nick, did you see it? 
it's interesting, like kind of like just listening because I've been primarily listening. Obviously, that's why I'm so quiet because a lot of this is very fascinating to me. But kind of on the topic of of having, you know, that place of both like ancestral and and the land worship and you know certain places that are very much built for the Norse gods and everything like that. I'm kind of thinking about where I grew up in northern america uh, the united states in minnesota where a heavy heavy amount of the individuals that live there are you know scandinavian descendants that's they traveled through coming from basically finland or vinland and over and i'm very excited to actually go back there now and just kind of look and i feel like i've like as i'm thinking about it and just as we're talking about it, like i've mentioned it before on the podcast like there's things that i grew up around that were so heavily Norse pagan influenced, whether it's, you know, people still like, even like you were talking about the elves earlier, like people still believe in the elves and stuff like that and joke about it where I'm from. You know, there's trolls, like statues everywhere, you know, and I, I'm curious to kind of just explore where I came from or like where I grew up and actually see if there are things like a potential Odin statue that is somewhere out there. Cause I know like close to where I grew up in the neighboring city, is an entire museum dedicated to Scandinavian artifacts that were found near the Great Lakes areas of Minnesota. Like, there's a a Viking longship that they found that is still primarily intact, that they have done some restoration work as, like, a main piece of this museum. So, to me, I'm very curious to actually finally go back home and up in that area to not only feel, like, more ancestral stuff, but also see, like, what things like that I noticed to see if there is anything. Cause I feel like there are, I feel like there's going to be some little secret spot that like I passed by, you know, a hundred or a thousand times as a child and never really thought about it. I just thought, Oh, that's like a statue of an old man or something like that. And for all I know, it could have been a statue of Odin because it is such a heavy, heavy Scandinavian influence in the various parts of Minnesota that I grew up in. So to bring it back to Nick, do you think the Vikings ever made it down to South Africa? Oh, I'm hopeful. <laughs> I'm hopeful. I mean, it's, I don't think so, though. They probably I would mean, have roasted in the sun about halfway down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think how big a longship is. There's not enough place to keep all your food, your sleeping quarters. Uh, you're basically rowing, and you have one sail on that longship. It's going to be <laughs> really hard to keep on sailing down past the Frank franco going through france hitting the mediterranean they did make it to the mediterranean we do know that but going down into a bit of africa i can accept that like the top bit of africa but going down to the africa yeah i won't be fishing in lakes anytime soon looking for an ancient viking sword that's for sure Oh man! But hey, I don't know. I think they. I mean, they, there's talks of uh, they found like uh, Viking artifacts in uh, Arizona. I don't think they ever got fully confirmed, but they look pretty pretty legit. I mean, if they made it to Arizona, I mean, who knows? There <laughs> yeah. was something in the news. I can't remember what country it was. One of the the northern countries. A little girl had jumped into the lake, gone swimming, swam downwards into the lake, and came up with a sword. And it was oh yeah, I think I've ever seen that. Eh? I think I remember seeing that story, yeah. Yeah, she was like 13 or so, and she just randomly picked up a blooming sword. And the museum took it, and she, they were like, 
the sword is legit. There is nothing not to say this is legit. Can you imagine what it's like for a kid? Oh my gosh, I yeah. I found a thousand year old Viking sword. You know? I would become <laughs> Indiana Jones afterwards. Right. <laughs> oh, get the hat, get the whip. You walk around the school, you're like, I'm the woman, I'm the woman. Yeah, I found the Viking sword. What next? <laughs> so, um, Ian, I want I have one final question on the Norse pagan topic before we're going to kind of dive into what we were talking about before the show started. Uh, but, Ian, do you have any more questions for Nick about his personal practice or about his path with uh, heathenry while being a South African? Not really. I mean, like, luckily, like, just, just you've ta- covered so much as initially just talking about it. And it, I've honestly just enjoyed sitting here and just listening to everything. Um, I guess that, like one of the things that I did think of earlier there earlier, you kind of touched on it a bit as far as like, you're not necessarily very public about your practice. Um, you know, I guess this would be essentially a decent segue into what we are going to talk about. But uh, I guess it's a question I thought of like, if you're like, where to wear a meal near right out in public, would anybody actually recognize that or even like associate it with anything? Because obviously Norse paganism is, probably not that predominant but like, would somebody say something if they were to recognize it oh i actually think they would be more concerned that hey it's me on the thought me on the movie that's the yeah. first bloody thing that most people go through and i think that is the most primary thing that they would think they will not they will recognize what it is but they won't attribute it to my faith which is quite a hard thing to accept if you're trying to surround yourself with people of the same faith. Yeah. You, you're putting this Mjolnir you know, on, or the oath wing on, just not only for your faith, but to say, hey, I am a Norse pagan. Are there anybody else there that recognizes this and wants to talk to me? Not going to happen, yeah. <laughs> Sadly, it's, it's not going to happen. I've met a few people who kind of, wanting to be pagan or they're eclectic pagans mm. but most of the actual nordic pagans that i've met through instagram are actually from johannesburg which is 18 hour maybe 19 hour drive from me reminder that africa is huge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, because like uh, my this is the funny excerpt I definitely wanted to bring up is, uh, you know, if anyone knows anything, bes- you know, Deanne for it's probably a little bit more like fringe culture, but like uh, the movies from, um, oh, I forget his name, but like District 9, uh, District 9, Chappie and Elysium were all filmed in Johannesburg. What's that guy's name? I can't remember his name now that made those uh, movies. Yeah, Neil- yeah I know you're talking about the guy. He also directed Alien movies, I think. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Neil Blomkamp. I think is his name. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, he's one of the people that, like, honestly, without him, like, most people probably wouldn't even know South Africa was a country, nor they would have cities. Um, I think one of the most ignorant things I ever heard in my life uh, was from a a guy, you know, we were talking about Africa, because I was going through this class, I was working in a restaurant, um, and this guy was African-American, and he was saying, we were talking about Africa, I was like, yeah, you know, Johannesburg, uh, talking about Cairo and things like that, and he's like, man, what are you talking about cities in Africa? They live in tents and shit. And I was like, what? (laughs) like what do you what do you mean they live in tents and shit he's like yeah they ain't no cities there i'm like dude there's like massive cities there yeah <laughs> Wait, um, my, like, I, I need a team come on people give me one here yeah like yeah i'm looking at uh nick right now he's totally sitting in a tent <laughs> 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 satellite dish 
The mountains live there, man. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I think it's really important. I mean, I, I, Black Panther, you know, I, I do actually appreciate as a movie um, because it does show that, you know, Africa, there is so much more to Africa than what people think. Because I honestly do think the misconception is that everyone there still lives in tents um, and, like, you know, dances half naked around a fire. Like, yes, people still do that. But, like, there is, I mean, massive cities in Africa now, um, Johannesburg being one of them. And so, like, the uh, like District 9, uh, you know, really covers, you know, it, and honestly, they have deeper messages. I think Chappie and District 9 and Elysium all have very good uh, messages about the struggles that people in South Africa and, you know, Africa in general go through. Um, so really great movies. Again, if you haven't checked those out, I, I, like if you haven't been able to tell, I, South African culture has actually been something that's really fascinating to me. And I, you know, it's another layer to my story that makes me really interested in like world religious history, but also paganism in general. I mean, this is one of the things that influenced my pagan path. And one of the reasons I know Nick, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about District 9. It's actually sad that that is a modern take. On what happened in apartheid. Oh, my gosh. We're talking about the apartheid. (laughs) (laughs) Never mind the aliens, but the way... I think the character's name was Neil. Uh, The main Uh, character, Neil. He was uh, that enforcement officer, actually. The The way they treated the the opposite side was actually a lot worse in times than we want to admit, or anyone wants to admit. It happened. And sadly, it sometimes still happens today. There can be a lot of racism in here, in this country, which I actually am very sad about. You know, I am a North Pagan. Doesn't mean I'm racially charged to only white people in the faith. I don't care what your background is, if the God finds you, you're with us, you know? I grew up in Nelson Mandela's country, the way he freed people. He said, everyone equal. We are a rainbow nation. Those were his words. But sadly, there is a lot of... We do have a lot of pagan faith inside different cultures. Like We can consider the, the culture and the faith of the Africans and Zulus to be pagan because they are not Christian or... Jewish and Muslim, it's so far away from their faith that they use the word pagan. Well, I use That's how I use the word pagan. I think the, uh, the technical term is like folk religion, I think is actually what people like. If they are shown in a demographic, they're shown as a folk religion. Yeah. yeah, and this is actually quite on par with what's still going on today. There is still folk religion within communities of Zulu and the uh, cause of faith. And sadly, they Going on to the stuff that I'm segueing into here that we were talking about before the podcast is that a lot of stuff still happens and there is a lot of good stuff and bad stuff still happening in paganism in today's world. We still have witches. We have Sangormas, as we call them here, who will really the stones who kind of tell the future for us. And it's readily acceptable. We have some gormas acting as witch doctors who will give us herbs and roots and what have you to help heal us. But sadly, we also have a lot of, let's call it mistrust, (laughs) against witches here in South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of hard to get into. Right, yeah, I mean... 
if you want, I think I have a good segue for this. So um, one of the things I was talking about with Ian when he joined in here too, um, is I think in the Western world and Western paganism now, you know, it, it's really exciting. It's new, it's fresh, um, you know, because it's something that died off and we're finally able to talk about it without getting burned at the stake. The problem is, is in places, in certain places in the world and, you know, Africa still being one of those in South Africa is, you know, you can't necessarily be loud and proud about being a pagan. I mean, people can still be burned at the stake there. That still happens. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that um, Nick actually shared with this before we started this podcast is a list of people who have actually been killed for practicing witchcraft like and the most recent entry was from 2021 from this year um i mean it's i mean ian was looking through it and found a place where they killed a monkey for practicing witchcraft or something like that yeah i mean they connected it with witchcraft they thought that that monkey was bewitched or given a curse upon the cushion onto this family and they said no this is the thing that that must die and sadly the monkey was massacred to say it lightly. Yeah. I mean, and it's, you know, and definitely, you know, with you sharing your story here, Nick, I mean, you even said like, you know, you, you coming on here as a, you know, South African Norse pagan to an oddity, but not only is it an oddity, but there is a, a certain amount of risk you carry by practicing this faith in South Africa as well. I mean, I don't think, you know, you're necessarily going to go to town square dressed in high lung robes and start, you know, <laughs> uh, chanting the Uga Booga. But, you know, at the same time, if you did that, like if I did that in the United States, I feel like I would just get weird looks, but you know, you, I feel like there would actually be some kind of danger if you did step out. I feel like there would be some kind of danger to me if I was filming my rituals, if I was filming my offerings there. There could be danger. You know, hopefully it's not, you know, to the point where, you know, it would be that bad. But the fact is, it still exists. There is danger for people practicing, you know, folk faiths or in, in, in you know, witchcraft and paganism. Yeah, and that is, that's a very, very real issue. And I, mean, I don't think it's also tied to... South Africa as its own. I mean, I'm sure you get some in America who will teach you, like, you are, there's something wrong with you. We better beat you up to make you sure you get back on the straight path. You know? Right. I, yeah. I'll never come out fully here in South Africa. I don't think I'll ever do that. But I do encourage those pagans who are listening to the podcast are from South Africa, message me. We can do something. We can at least organize a gathering away from everyone in the middle of nowhere and do our gatherings in peace away from everyone and not bother anyone. Um, yeah. Where can they reach you at? What's uh, what's your Instagram tag for them? Uh, my Instagram tag is going to be student of the old gods with low, um, underscore in between the words. And I'll make sure I link it in the, the show notes as well. Um, and obviously tag you when I post about this uh, this video as well. Um, so people can find you. Oh, awesome. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. It's like, God, just get hold of me. Just message me whenever, what time, even if it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Because I'm normally on Discord at 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't think you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we just had a meeting the other day, and I was up till quarter past 2 in the morning. Because of American time. Oh gosh. Well, hey, I'm in the same boat with you, and I was like, I ain't going to those meetings. <laughs> oh, you see, you moved to the correct time zone now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's but another yeah, interesting thing. I was just going to say that, you know, like Ian here and Nick are actually, you know, fellowship leaders within the Wisdom of Odin Fellowship, you know, the, you know, the organization where we actually put on these gatherings. Um, and you were one of the earliest adopters. And I think you were our first international leader, right? If I remember I correctly. So. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was uh, Nick, then Terry, and then Adam, I think, were our internationals. Yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah, so I mean, it, it, it's all—it's been really exciting to watch this grow outside of the United States, um, and you know where I didn't expect it to grow is South Africa. So I mean, truly, if you're in South Africa, you're listening to this podcast. It seems like this podcast is attractive to other countries outside the United States, which is completely fascinating to me. Um, mm-hmm. Is don't be afraid to reach out to the podcast. I mean, just like um, you know. I'll have to look his name up again. Um, just like Helmar did, um, you know, reach out to the podcast, uh, the folk podcast at gmail.com or me at the wisdom of Odin at gmail.com. And we'll try to get in contact with the right people. Um, but there's people all around this world. If, you know, Nick can, uh, you know, worship the old gods in South Africa, even though it is different, it's, it, it is going to be different. You're not going to be able to be like necessarily me running around the United States, giving offerings at every cool tree I see, but you can still do it. Um, and, you know, we, we have the resources to help you. And, uh, and Nick has been a wonderful member of this community and is uh, one of the most helpful people we have. Um, so, uh, you know, again, who says something? Actually, thank you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought Ian said, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, you <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's just cheer for a minute. Um, but yeah, so definitely reach out to Nick. But I, uh, I feel like we went to the dark hole for a second. We're like, yeah, people totally get killed for practicing witchcraft. But we're like, but everything's okay because Nick's here. <laughs> like, it's, it's interesting, like kind of going back on like the witch hunt thing. Like I was curious of because in, in this site it does tell you like roughly the locations. And one thing that I was kind of surprised about is kind of looking at it is it seems like it's a lot of the major cities. Like the very first one is Johannesburg. You know, like that is a huge city. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised a little bit that, you know, some, most of these cities, like I was saying earlier, are pretty well developed and like, you know, well off cities, you know, that's not like the individual that you were talking about earlier, Jacob, where, you know, everybody's in, in huts or tents or whatever. But like a lot of these are, are major cities or very big cities. And it, it kind of is mind blowing that that is something that essentially would be allowed in a major city. I could see it more in like, a rural countryside kind of a thing. Well, yeah, like in the States, you know, when we think of, you know, people who are intolerant of others, you know, we think of the country. We don't necessarily think of the cities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's interesting. It, it is surprising looking at it from that different aspect where it is essentially the complete opposite where these more developed major cities are the primary locations for a lot of these horrible situations. And then obviously, you know, it seems like the further out you go into, you know, the Sahara or the, the plains and stuff like that is where these, uh, you know, these ancient ways are thriving more so. Little, little so to that. turn that into a question for you, Nick, um, do you do you find it is more acceptive to be maybe a, a practice witchcraft? Like where, you know, if you wanted to go to like these these local witches, I can't remember the exact name. Like, are they in the cities or are they more in the rural areas? Like, where is it more common to see these kind of practices still? Uh, how to put it like we've got a lot of towns surrounding our big cities like I stay in Contention Valley in a town called Dakar which is actually just 22 kilometers away from Cape Town we're not that far from cities we're not like a a farm village where you get one town center and then you've got your houses spread over major amounts of kilometers in the farm we're actually really connected I can go to let's say Kailicha or another town nearby and I'll more, like, more than likely find a Sangorma. They will still advertise their, their, their wares, their businesses, their skills. There's nothing wrong with that. It just, they, they actually like that. They want the positivity out of their Sangormas. They just don't want the negative part. That's the problem with witchcraft. You know? Um, oh, so it's like, you know, like, 
Well, I think you were kind of telling me before, it's like, you know, they might have a disagreement with someone. So they kind of they they label them like, oh, they're putting a curse on somebody, you know, then they use that as an ex- you know, excuse to kill them, basically. I mean, which is something we saw in the States as well with like the Salem witch trials. Yeah, yeah they've actually specified in our law because of a lot of the stuff happening is that you are free to practice your faith, but you cannot curse someone else. That uh, is legal. They actually specified you cannot curse someone else. It's pretty damn unique. That is actually really unique that there's yeah. a specific law like don't curse people. <laughs> I mean, only recently now in the past, I think it's five years, that they have allowed paganism rituals and marriages to be acceptable to the government as a form of marriage. And it's in the last five years. That's, That's pretty crazy. Really yeah, there's no wood chanting. <laughs> I'm just uh, imagining like being in prison and sitting there, and someone's like, "Hey, what do you win for?" And you're like, "Oh, I uh, put curses on people, so you should probably not mess with me." <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, like, either those guys will kill you, or they will back the fuckle. So <laughs> like, oh, that's the guy that puts curses on people. Do not like, don't steal his food. <laughs> yeah, do if anyone comes to visit South Africa, this is one big warning. Please, please don't get yourself into prison. You will die on the first day. It is guaranteed. Unless you, <laughs> you look up. Uh, there's actually a documentary done by Kemp. I think it was his name, Stephen Kemp, on the gangs around the world. He once came to a prison that is three kilometers away from me called Polesmore Prison. He considered it the most dangerous prison in the world. And you live three kilometers away? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. What I'm thinking is you, you're close enough that if anyone breaks out of prison, they want to get away from you. Yeah? They're going to get in your tent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's some good stuff. But there is a lot of good with my country. I know we talked about a lot of negativity with our witch hunting and how we hide ourselves away. But there is a lot of good within this country. I mean, we don't, we don't have to spread our faith around to say, hey, I'm a North Pagan, let me meet these random people. Let's just, you know, how's it, how's your day going? I forget, we are pretty friendly, we can be friendly, and we've got nature all around us a lot more than that. A lot more than that. I'm, I'm a bodyboarder and a surfer, but I'm also climbing mountains. I'm that much of an outdoor guy now because of my faith and because I get to live in South Africa. So that, that, that is an interesting Africa, come surf with me, come climb Table Mountain with me, or go to Elephant's Eye. You'll actually find it's one of the most beautiful stops ever. Maybe not the Appalachian Forest, beautiful, which I want to go there sometime in my life. Parker will come with me and we'll dress up like Wookiees and we'll walk around <laughs> in the middle of the night. <laughs> uh, I will die happy man if i ever see you guys just like prancing through the forest you have like antlers tied to your heads like <laughs> yeah, the one problem is the question is is Paco or me going to be the ewok or are we going to get that ian to be the ewok oh, <laughs> ian. yeah well no you're really short because that's the running joke uh, yeah, that's really <laughs> it's been a while since we brought that up yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, well, uh, Ian, we uh, are getting pretty close to the time here. Do you have any final questions for Nick? Um, I think I might have one more, but um, other than that, 
Hit me. Not really. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's just this has been just a fascinating episode just to sit in and kind of just like listen to a lot of this. Because, Ian, there's like, two of us. There's only two co-hosts. You can't just listen the whole time. I know. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really just don't have anything. Yeah, I mean, it's for me, it's this has just been, you know, very interesting to to hear everything and kind of how it is for you over there. I mean, yeah, I had a few questions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a couple. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, you know, I guess I can start. And Ian, if you think of anything as I as I start closing here. Uh, but first off, Nick, I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, this has been one of the more unique podcasts we've done. I mean, we've interviewed people from around the world before. Um, but, you know, definitely this is, I think, a place people don't expect. And when I put, you know, uh, Norse Pagan in South Africa in the title, that's enough for people to be like, what? And they never <laughs> expected it. Um, so truly, it's been it, it's been a pleasure. I mean, obviously, we've talked before. I mean, I mean, shoot, you, we've been talking since really the early days of the Wisdom of Odin. Um, but it's been great to talk to you on the podcast. So if I had any uh, final questions for you, I mean, it's a pretty generic one, but I think it's still a powerful one, is um, where do you see, like, things being in, like, five years in your path? You know, not necessarily as the community, not necessarily as, you know, like a fellowship leader, but you personally, what do you hope to accomplish in the next few years of uh, practicing and following this uh, this faith? The next two years, I do want to get uh, a folk going, but I do want the first thing I want to get going is just to get a few people together and say, let's go somewhere and let's make an offer. We we are a very folk-based, community-based religion as it is. And I've been a solo practitioner for so long. It would be so awesome just to do it with a group of people, you know? Yeah. Get together, get around the little fire you built, or you climb the mountain to a summit, and you just want to say, without any fear or discrimination, and say, let's make an Odin, uh, offering to Odin, or Nord, or whatever the case is, and share in that awesomeness with a group of people like you. I mean, that is one of the most unique things to me, still the unique thing. I know you guys have had your own rituals and <laughs> gatherings already. I haven't had one yet. You know? <laughs> it's still very unique to me when I watch gathering videos. I get tears in my eyes seeing the celebration, the happiness, the rituals. I mean, I know the gods and ancestors and land with tears are laughing and smiling with you guys. Yeah. I'm all the way over South Africa, yeah, smiling with you guys. You know? <laughs> it's like I'm watching, yeah, it's like watching through your TV. And I have felt that I have dreamed that I was with you guys with one uh, one ritual. It's when Parker, uh, Parker, uh, Caleb, and someone else did that fireside ritual. Oh, the uh, like the what was it? The Frere one. Yeah, that was a first Yeah, it made, oh, started yeah. eating, started smelling candy out of the earth. Oh, wow. That was, I went to bed and I could feel myself transported there. I could feel myself energized over there. I wanted that same feeling. Yeah, I want to give that to the community here in South Africa. Okay. I've really talked to one guy who came to email you and you passed on to me. I've talked to them. We are in the midst of planning, even if it's just two of us yeah, in the yeah. next couple of months or years when COVID calms down, I will come to Goburg. We will find a very quiet, secluded spot, camp somewhere, and we will do something with the gods. Yeah. yeah. That, at least, is my near-to-future plan, is to just get some people together and just give thanks to the gods. And we found them that 
Well, they found us. And yeah. they said, we want you. You know? Oh, that's awesome, man. I mean, I mean, shoot, I can't think of any better way to end the podcast than that. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, once again, it's been a pleasure to have you on here, man. Um, and I can't wait Thank to. Thank you for inviting you know, me. I'm definitely gonna do it again if I'm welcome. Yeah. So, did you have fun? Was it as nerve wracking as you thought it would be? <laughs> uh, super nerve wracking. <laughs> as soon as you hit the record button, it's like, how many people am I talking to now? Only like a thousand a week. It's okay. Yeah, and I'm a hop. You just went up another couple of notches and stayed that right up until the very end here. And just think, people from like 20 years from now can still listen to it. So, what do you have for people 20 years from now? What do you want to say to them? <laughs> Never mind taking their little ritual bookie path into your family. Now the whole worldwide is listening to this podcast 20 years later. Come on. <laughs> It's not my uh, determination to like wa- listen to this episode in 2041. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, I hope you haven't lost your hair 20 years from now. That's all I gotta say. That that's actually a good thought. I, I really wish that even when we're 90 years old, we've got like fucking wheelchairs getting around the houses, and we can say we started the movement, man. We are the pagan hippies of the modern times. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, honestly, if we ever successfully got to the point where, like, you know, some of us went over to South Africa, we got like five or six people together and we actually had like a full blown gathering. I mean, that would be like, I feel like Ragnarok would happen then just because like the world will split in half. (laughs) Should I hold back now? (laughs) no no let's make it happen (laughs) um but yeah so we'll go ahead and end this episode nick once again thank you so much um and uh once again i'll put his instagram information down below if you're in south africa and africa in general i mean he he works very closely with everyone and in the the team that put on gatherings um he's a great guy to reach out to hopefully you can tell from this podcast um but we will go ahead and end this episode thank you so much for joining episode 42 of the full podcast if you're interested in being on the show or you want to be like um oh i have to look at his name again because i'm really bad if you want to be like Helmar, um, please reach out to the show. Um, once again, thank you for so much for sending that email. Um, you know, I'm glad I was able to get in contact with Nick. I'm glad you guys were able to, you know, to, to connect. Um, but also, I mean, seriously, reach out to us if you're in a place that you think you're alone. You're probably not. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you so much for listening. And until the hall, skull. Oh, oh. A deep <laughs> one. <laughs>